We're back in the Gospel of Mark. Um, I love the Gospel of Mark because I think it's the most clear and concise picture of who Jesus is. You know, they say it's actually the first gospel of the synoptic gospels, um, but I'll pray and then we'll get into Mark chapter 4, verse 1 to 20. God, I pray that you would reveal to us today who you are. Holy Spirit, show us where we haven't welcomed your word into our life. I pray, Father, that we would be um, a seed that, that grows abundantly, not because of something we've done, but, Lord, what you've done in our life. Holy Spirit, come, fill this space, shape us and change us into you. Amen. There's a great quote I just saw recently, and um, Abraham Lincoln said this quote, and we're, I think in Canada, we're actually influenced more than we think by American ideology. And Abraham Lincoln said this, give me six hours to chop down a tree and I will spend the first four sharpening the ax. Right? See, whatever you do in life, you have to invest in the right tools. Right? You and I have to invest in the right tools. You know, how are you achieving the goals? You think about January. January is a tough month because everybody has goals that they want to achieve. But how are you going to achieve the goals that you actually set before you this year? This question I've been asking myself in the last year, it's on my phone, and my, on my lock screen on my phone. It says, who are you becoming? Right? I think as a Christian, as someone who lives actually in 2022 in North America, who are you becoming? Because here's the thing about you and I, that we have the tools, but we are being shaped by the tools, that we actually are being discipled in microseconds, in moments, right? If you have a thing called a phone, if you have Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or Snapchat, you are being formed microsecond by microsecond. You are being shaped and reshaped into an image. Like, you, nothing just happens by accident. Maybe you say, well, actually, you know, I don't have, I don't have a phone. Or maybe you say, I don't actually have those social media you know, accounts because I've deleted them because I'm a more moral and better person, right? But your friends have those. Your friends are being shaped and formed in microseconds, in moments, ideology. That means that you're being shaped and formed. There's a guy named Darren Hardy who wrote in a book called The Compound Effect. And really, according to research by psychologists, they say the people you habitually associate with determine as much as 95% of your success or failure in life. Interesting. That they also say that you are the average of the five people you spend the most amount of time with. And you have to ask the question, who are you spending time with? Who am I spending time with? See, Jesus... In Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 1 to 20, if you open your Bibles there, on your phone, go there, that Jesus knew the importance of your ear, that Jesus knew the importance of your thoughts. 
the potential of what could change you and shape you and mold you. He knew that change doesn't happen just externally, that so often we focus on change, we focus on the external things, but Jesus says, actually, if you want real change, it comes internally out of you to the external. It's so easy, it's so natural to focus on just the external things, the things you buy, the, the way you want power, the way you are sexually. We see this series in the last few weeks called Money, Sex, and Power, talking about idolatry in Kelowna. But Jesus knows that there's an importance of your ear, the importance of your thoughts, the importance of what actually comes into your mind when you're daydreaming about your life. You see, change never happens externally. It always happens internally. That's like when we're talking about a pornography addiction. It doesn't happen just externally by clicking a mouse. It actually happens internally by thinking there's something deep inside of you that actually could be fulfilled by someone else. It's the same way you talk about money. Right? Like I just talked to someone this past week. And they said, if I just had a $50,000 Ford F-150, my life would be amazing. <laughs> right there's a man who just retired this week but can't admit to a retiring from the NFL Tom Brady you see so often athletes they say the worst moment of their life is when they get the exact thing they've been looking for for their whole life a Stanley Cup or a Super Bowl you see those are the worst moments of our life because they show us internally what we're looking for See, Jesus' invitation is pretty simple. It's pretty simple in Mark chapter 4. He says, anyone who has the ears to hear, listen. I would love for us to be a church who has the ears to hear and listens and is shaped by the gospel. I've got three points I will look at today in this passage. One, how the gospel changes us, how the gospel releases that power in our life in the secret of a gospel life. Let's look at this in, in Mark chapter 4, verse 1. If your Bibles go there. It says, Again, he began to teach by the sea, and a very large crowd gathered around him. Jesus, again, this, in the gospel of Mark, has all these people coming to him again and again and again, and he's healing people, and more people are coming to Jesus. He's like a, a rock star in that era. People are just flocking to him because he's healing tons of people. And this is a spot where Jesus is going to kind of weed them out. He's kind of like thin out the herd. And here's what he says. He got into a boat on the sea and sat down. While the whole crowd was by the sea on the shore, he taught them many things in parables. In his teaching, he said to them, listen, consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell on the path. The birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil and it grew up quickly, since the soil wasn't deep. When the sun came out, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it didn't produce fruit. Still others, other seed fell on the good ground and it grew up producing fruit that increased 30, 60, and 100 times. 
Then he said, let anyone who has ears to hear listen. When he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked about the parables. He answered them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those outside, everything comes in parables, so that they may indeed look and yet not perceive. They may indeed listen and not yet understand. Otherwise, they might turn back and be forgiven. Then he said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand all of the parables? The sower sows the word. Some are like the word sown in the path. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. And others are like the seeds sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive with joy. But they do not have root. They are short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. Others are like seeds sown among the thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those like seeds sown on good ground hear the word, welcome it, and produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. What a crazy passage. You see, when we look at this parable, there's a sower, and the sower in the story is God. And there's some interesting ideas of who God is by this parable. When you look at this, see, one, the sower just seems like if he's a farmer, he seems kind of reckless by just throwing seeds on different types of soil. The sower doesn't actually care about where he sows the seed. He's just sowing it. He's throwing it out there, seeing where it's going to take root. The sower liberally throws the seed in hope of a harvest. There's hope that people will change, that a seed will take root. I think when you look at the gospel when people have heard the word of God, have been changed by it, as I've been in ministry for years and years and years, so often the places where the seed grows in someone's life is like the people that you never expect it to take root. It's like the unlikely people, just like when you read the Gospels, it's the unlikely disciples. It's not the religious, it's not the elite. It's the unlikely outcast people who hear the word and respond to it. That should give us hope. It should give me me hope that God is interacting with people who are outcast, who aren't well off in society. So often in youth ministry specifically, when there's people that came up who wanted to do ministry long-term, people would say, well, I don't know about that person. Like one of my good friends, when he came into a program called Immerse, just like David and Levi, this person, I said, come and do Immerse with me. And people said, there's no way this guy will ever be a great pastor. Never. Right? People said, I remember him when he was six years old and he was bouncing off the chairs of a church building. Right? Because my friend has, I think he has attention deficit, just like shaking or just wild and crazy. Like he would never amount to much in the kingdom of God. Like who are we to say that? See, the sower liberally throws seed in hopes of a harvest, but the appearance of the kingdom of God always looks different. It's always upside down. It's always not what you look, what looks like or it's expected to be. 
but it asks the question, how has someone changed? Like, how has someone changed? How does someone live a life that's transformed and changed by Jesus? Jesus says, you hear. You listen. You are curious. Like, some of us in this room are not curious about Jesus. Are you curious about who he is? I've had some friends in the past week talk about how curious they are about Jesus, and it actually is compelling to me. One guy said to me, he said, you know what? I just want more and more and more of Jesus in my life. And that looks like every month reading through the whole Bible. Wow. There's some curiosity. Another one of my friends said, you know what? I just wake up in the morning and I've been realizing for, for a long time that I am not curious about Jesus, but I'm going to spend every morning before I do anything listening to the Bible on Spotify. You see, the word of God, the gospel, has information, it's words. Therefore, there's content to it. There's information. It's not less than information, but it's more. You see, I think sometimes people misunderstand that it's not just merely information, it's transformation. It's power like a seed. When the seed comes in, it releases that power. See, if you take like a, a piece of metal or glass or concrete and you bury it in the ground and you fertilize it and you water it, it will never grow anything. That'd be idiotic. Because there's nothing biological about it. It can't grow. It doesn't have the power of life in it. You see, when we talk about the word of God being a seed, Jesus is saying this, he has the power to produce something in your life that nothing else can produce. The gospel has the power to change all the things in your life. See, the very life of God comes into your understanding of the word curiosity of who Jesus is, how you hear, how you understand. You see, I think it brings up the question, when you look at all these different seeds, is what seed am I? Because some of those seeds are dead. Some of those seeds don't, don't last. They're choked out. They're taken away. How do you grow? And Jesus is trying to show his disciples how you actually grow like a seed. In the last year, I've been actually, if you came to my house, you notice I have lots and lots of plants. And uh, I'm trying to grow things in my house. Last year, I tried to grow raspberries. And I realized that someone said, I think your raspberries are dying. I said, I, I think they're fine. They're going to grow back, right? And uh, over the course of the summer, I realized that I had a rat by my shed that chewed through my water line. <laughs> Those raspberries are dead. You see, how do you grow something? Right? That's what Jesus is talking about here. You know, it should make us think right there where you are in your seat. It made me think all week, how do I desire Jesus? How do I actually want to grow in him? You see, if this is the real you, it shows you that if you're growing in Christ, you can handle anything because you've been initiated into a different order of life. You see, God's love isn't just some abstract thought. 
it actually is a real seed that's grown in your life that's producing something different in your life. This thing has happened to you. It's the word of the God. It's the gospel. It comes in, not just as information, but as a power. And it slowly releases its power in you and initiates you into a new order, a new organization of your life. You can tell this has happened because you will change constantly. It's organic growth, not mechanical growth. See, what Jesus is talking about here in Mark's gospel over and over and over again in the first four chapters is he's trying to actually kill religion. He's trying to talk to the Pharisees and the disciples, and he's saying, actually, these Pharisees have very mechanical growth. So often, we actually fall into mechanical growth, which the gospel and religion both grow us just in different ways, different capacities. See, Jesus says here pretty much is that I've come to abolish religion over and over again in Mark's gospel. And we've said this over and over again that religion is, is this. I obey, therefore God accepts me, and now he owes me. Now, can I just talk about this for a second? Like that one thought of what religion is. I obey, therefore God accepts me, and now he owes me. That just creeps up so subtly in our life, doesn't it? Like this creeps up so subtly in my life. It's like, hey God, like I came here to plant a church in Kelowna. My life isn't supposed to be like this. God owes me something. Like how subtle does this creep up? God, you owe me a better job. You owe me a better paycheck. This creeps up all the time. The gospel is this, that God accepts me through the radical grace of Jesus. Therefore, now I want to follow him for the rest of my life and obey him. You see, religion and the gospel both produce change in different ways. See, one will pr produce mechanical growth, one organically. See, what I mean by me mechanical growth? See, I, I was trying to find some bricks this past week. I was thinking to Home Depot. But say you grab some bricks, and I think mechanical growth is just brick building, right? It's like, I'm actually going to do more things for God. I'm going to learn more doctrines, I'm going to go to more classes. I'm going to have more activities. I'm going to actually have more busyness. The way we structure Live Free is very freeing so that, that we can actually build connection with people. That we're not just like busy doing things for God. That we actually get to be the church in Kelowna, in Glenmore, in Rutland, in Mission, in Lake Country. That we get to be the church. You always can tell if it's mechanical growth by how exhausted you are by the things you do. Organic growth is not a pile of bricks that you're stacking on top of each other. That organic growth is like a bulb growing into a tulip. It's organic. It's from the inside out. It's an organism becoming more and more complex, richer and beautiful. See, the way you know you have organic growth is you're not just getting busy or you're being transformed from the inside out. It's changing your heart, your affections, your attitude. 
Sometimes you beating yourself into submission. It's actually like you desire a different way of living your life. People say to you, what happened to you? Why do you value your money the way you do? Why do you spend or don't spend your money the way you do? You see, look at this change, this transformation. You find on one hand, yourself, you're getting actually stronger and tougher. And at the same time, you're more aware of your feelings and sensitive. You're more confident and bold. At the same time, you're more humble and less focused on yourself. You're more generous, more able to love people who are different than you or people you think that are more difficult than you. People you maybe couldn't stand in the past, you have empathy for them and you forgive them. You see, what's happening to you is it's organic growth. It's a sign of the power of God in your life that's changing you. Romans 1 verse 16 says here, I love this passage. It says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel for the power of God unto salvation. You see, what is salvation? It's a power. It's growth. There's a dynamic. When Jesus talks about this, so some, some are like the word thrown in the path. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. Verse 16, it says here, And others are like the seeds sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive with joy. But they have no root. They are short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. Others are like seeds sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age the deceitfulness of wealth. <laughs> the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. You see, you think about the, the metaphor Jesus uses here of, of sowing seeds. Like there's almost nothing gentler than that. He's not like getting a pickaxe pick and just like chiseling away. That'd be way easier, wouldn't it? To chisel away at all our things in our life. But to plant a seed, if you plant a seed, if you are like a, a plant parent, like Danica, right? It is a gentle thing to plant a seed in a pot, to bury it, to water it, to wait for it to grow. You don't like get a pickaxe, you don't get a drill, you don't get dynamite to blow a hole in the ground to plant a seed you plant a seed delicately and cover it up and water it and grow it. Some of this past week said to me just recently, said, you know what? Um, they're like, when is Live Free gonna grow? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, we are growing. We're changing. We're being formed. One thing I realized, I thought, when we planted a church in Kelowna, I thought God cared about building a church, but I think he's caring so much about forming us. He wants to grow us. And in growing us, we're going to reach the people around us, our family members, our community, our neighbors, coworkers. You see, it's a delicate thing. See, the gospel isn't something you can achieve. It's something you freely receive. 
If you're looking for a place, not only for you to grow, but for people to grow around you, for people who are interested in the gospel for the first time, I think the most fertile soil is a life that's broken. A life that's at at the end of itself. A life that's going through hardship. A life that's struggling. That If you actually ever want to know about how do you reach people in Kelowna, I would say just wait. Wait for a phone call. Wait for a, a message. For someone to say, hey, you know what? I'm struggling right now. But I thought my life was all together. Of a nice house and a nice family. But there's discontentment in my life. Or I made a bad decision in my life. Like that's the soil, I believe, that is the most fertile soil to plant a seed for the gospel. Is when someone's at the end of themselves. We all have those moments. But when you plant that seed on a soil, in verse 20, this is like a different dynamic for the kingdom of God. I'm going to bring the band back up as I kind of wrap this up. But it says, And those like seeds sown on good ground hear the word and welcome it. You see, when you're in your brokenness, not just stacking bricks, when you see that you actually have nothing left to stack in your life that's been decimated, that's a good soil for God to do his work. You, you welcome it, and it produces fruit 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. Now, if you're a farmer, this is like different kingdom principles here because farmers, when they sow a seed, doesn't usually grow 30, 60, 100 times. It just grows enough. But in God's kingdom... One person that has a seed planted in their life that grows organically, it changes things in them. It's nothing you could do or achieve, or just something you've, you freely receive. You see, if you're reading the Gospel of Mark, commentators and people so often say they point out that every single soil is someone's response to Jesus. See, the first soil is the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they rejected him. The second soil is the crowds, that they're happy with him, but as long as he's doing miracles. Do you see that? It's religion again. As long as you're doing what I want you to do. The third soil is a family who are very upset with the fact that they're losing face. They're losing control. They're, they're faced with shame of losing honor because what Christ is doing, the opposition he's facing. See, in other words, the parable of soils isn't just a, a parable of how people respond to the word, but how people respond to Jesus. That Jesus didn't come to hammer. He didn't come as a fire. He didn't come as a sword. He came not to judge, but to be judged. Not to be strong, but to be weak and die. Because seeds only release their power when they fall to the ground and they die. That's what Jesus wants. His death produces something in your life that nothing else can produce. That when you accept Christ in your life, his death and his resurrection, it changes everything. That out of that death comes life. Out of the moments that you think would crush you, it actually forms you. 
It's a paradox. You see, you want to reach people in Kelowna, just tell people how you've been changed, how God has encountered you, how maybe you've been stacking bricks your whole life, but actually God destroyed those bricks and he planted a seed in your life and out of it something organically grew. You are more patient. You are more kind. You're more self-controlled. This passage ends on the, the note of triumph because even though three to the four soils resist the power of Jesus, the last one grows 30, 60, 100-fold. And that's supernatural. That agriculture can't produce that kind of yield because Jesus is saying is, what I'm producing is something that's supernatural that nothing else is like. That if you let Jesus in, there's a supernatural power that will reorganize and change your life. The way you look at your spouse, the way you look at money, the way you look at kids, your house, your time, your treasure, your talents. See, another way to put it is, I don't care what kind of marble slab is over your heart. Whatever, what kind of like coldness or apathy you feel towards Jesus, because I think in January, it's pretty easy at the end of it to feel pretty apathetic towards Christ, towards life. I don't care what kind of addiction you have. I don't care what kind of fear you have. I don't care what kind of alienation you're facing. I don't care what kind of absolutely maybe loathsome self-image you have. I don't care what anyone's ever done to you. I don't care how messed up you are on the inside. If you bring Jesus into your life, he has the power to crack and roll that marble slab that's on your heart and roll it away. Roll it off. That his death grows a seed in your life that changes all aspects of your life. It makes you more curious. I'm not just until you read your Bible more because that's not the point. You're going to be more and more curious of who Jesus is in your life. You're going to be captured by him more than anything else. Would you look at Jesus and say, Jesus, would you fall into my life? Would your death be the seed that grows something so abundantly beautiful in my life today, in this moment, in this theater, in 2022, at Live Free Church, grow something that I could never produce on my own. Jesus, have your way with me. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you grow in us? Would your death produce in us something that we can't manufacture on our own? I think this passage. Show me all the ways, Jesus, I'm, I've wandered away. That I want to come back to you, that I want to follow you. that would you produce in me a desire to hear your word and welcome it in my life and to constantly roll it over again and again and again to not be content but to desire you more every single day. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us.